Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. James Thompson, thank you so much for joining us on the Greener Way today. Would you please introduce yourself in your role at FM Global? Hey, Rachel. Thanks for having me on the on the podcast. Really appreciate it. I'm James Thompson. I'm the uh, Senior Vice President and Division Manager across Asia Pacific for FM Global. Um, I've been with the company for approaching 30 years. Um, now, the interesting place is where I started and where mm. I've ended up. And, you know, I started mm. um, as an environmental engineer and I found my way through a range of engineering and underwriting roles in our organization to now leading the organization across the region uh, with, with our client base throughout uh, Asia Pacific. We like our environmental engineers here on The Greener Way. Throwback listeners to an early episode with Terence Jarrett Nureyem of, uh, of, of EY and uh, his views on climate risk and climate resilience. So uh, you're at home here with us. Amongst friends. <laughs> Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about your current role with FM Global um, and how particularly FM Global looks at working with your clients, uh, your members actually, because you're a mutual, um, on this big question of climate risk and climate resilience? As you know, Rachel, our um, our client base is large commercial industrial corporations, um, and that ranges from you know companies who are commercial uh, entities. That we've got a range of universities, we've got manufacturers, we've got um, utilities, um, and all of them have fairly diverse challenges from a from a mm-hmm. risk point of view. Um, but all of them, are, uh, the conversations in the last number of years really have. Um, shifted dramatically towards uh, discussions around climate and climate resilience. Now, we are an organisation that focuses on giving advice and, um, and, and technical recommendations on how corporations can really make themselves more resilient against the risks that face them. Um, mm-hmm. We do a lot of research in our headquarters in the US and more recently um, we've established a facility in Singapore, which we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. um, to really build a, a strong knowledge base of what drives risk in these, in these um, corporations, um, whether it be from cyclones, floods, um, bushfires or any other climate perils that are facing our, our client base. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we, we learn from, um, from the losses that we, we pay every year. So as a large commercial insurance company, we pay in the order of 3 to $4 billion of, of loss every year um, with, with our clients being impacted. And we send engineers out to learn from those losses and to mm-hmm. try and find ways to reduce the likelihood or the severity of those losses occurring again with our client base. And we bring that knowledge back to our, our clients through engineers walking through their facilities and um, identifying potential vulnerabilities that they might have to any of these perils um, to help them harden themselves and make them more resilient. James, what's the role of the insurance? I mean, you've walked through a lot of this before in terms of the learning, in terms of the going out and, you know, in working with clients individually or members individually. Um, but sort of broadly speaking, you know, what is the role of the insurance industry when it comes to de-risking climate change? Um, because it feels like, uh, particularly in the wake of natural disasters, whether it's flooding in New South Wales or in Pakistan, um, typh- typhoons and cyclones, the insurance industry is at the coalface of a lot of these, of absorbing uh, the impacts. Um, so, so how do you view it? How does FM Global view it? 
So from an insurance industry point of view, I mean, fundamentally, the insurance industry puts a price on risk and, mm. and helps, helps manage that, uh, that financial risk over a longer period of time. And so I think the first thing is really quantifying what that sort of financial risk is that our, our client base and the, and the community is, is bearing. And mm. what you see more recently is obviously with climate events, whether they be floods um, or cyclones becoming more severe and losses increasing year in, year out, mm. um, the financial impact of that is being, being felt by the insurance industry and therefore being passed back to the community um, mm. in, in terms of premium. Now, the role of the insurance industry, in, in my view, is also to give some some guidance to to clients as to what's mm. driving that financial impact, and and certainly the way we view it is to give advice on what clients can do to reduce their risk and therefore reduce that financial impact. And various in, insurers do it in different ways. Mm -hmm. Certainly, our approach is an engineering approach to trying to give that advice to our clients of um, mm. how to harden themselves make themselves more resilient and therefore um, that financial risk should be lower and in the long term that should therefore have a financial benefit to them if they uh, reduce their, their climate risk. James, what's the role of the insurance industry when it comes to de-risking climate change um, as sort of that third leg between what happens at a national or regional level, what happens at the corporate individual level, and then you as that intermediary taking risk out of the system? Yeah, look, Rachel, fundamentally, we put a price on risk. And mm. in, in putting a price on risk, there are various drivers that we have as an industry in terms of what's driving the pricing. And I think mm -hmm. the role we have to play is, is helping our clients understand what those drivers are and giving them the tools to take action. Right? Certainly the way we view it, if we can provide knowledge to our client base of large corporates of things they can do to make themselves more resilient and drive risk out of their own businesses, that's going to drive the risk down that we end up taking taking on and therefore the financial impact for, for all of us really is mm -hmm. in all of that um, financial supply chain. So, mm. so really we feel our role is to, um, to really use our knowledge of what drives financial loss um, mm -hmm. and around climate change and um, – and help our clients with specific things that they can do in mm. their facilities to harden themselves against these perils. And so, you know, our engineers will walk into these facilities and provide tangible advice based on the specifics of those facilities on mm -hmm. things that they can do. So an engineer will walk in and look at where the flood floodwaters will go and will look at where the doorways are and will look at the the where the landing docks are for the for the trucks and openings and where electrical equipment is entering and leaving the building and provide mm. advice on how the floodwaters for example might be impacted and what you can do to to reduce that impact mm -hmm. they'll go into a windstorm prone facility and they'll look at the structure of the roof they'll look at the condition of the roof how far apart the screws are holding on that roof run calculations to figure out whether that roof is going to stay on in a cyclone now, that's all the real tangible advice, and it might seem pretty straightforward, but you'd be surprised at how few companies are aware of those simple things that can, can really harden themselves against mm -hmm. these, these perils. So, so going back to your question, I think the, the best thing the insurance industry can do is to bring knowledge to our client base to help them 
be better, be stronger, and therefore mm. reduce their risk and reduce the risk that gets um, passed on to to the industry. Let's get into some of those tools. Um, I, I'm, I'm tremendously respectful of, of the FM Global uh, Climate uh, Resilience Index. Um, it's a great forward-facing, you know, public-facing resource. Um, I've certainly covered it off a couple of times when it comes out annually. But how do you use sort of, you know, knowledge knowledge pools like that um, and other tools that you have to hand at FM Global to contribute to that education process? So one of the things we've recently released is a, a product for our clients called the, the Climate Risk Report. Um, mm. And this really consolidates the visits um, that our engineers do to our clients' facilities. So we visit about mm. um, 60,000 uh, locations of our clients around the world. And mm. those engineering reports um, mm -hmm. produce a, a vast array of data and analytics. And we package this for each individual client with this climate risk report. And what that report does is it, it provides, first of all, a, um, a series of opportunities or specific recommendations of things that clients can do to harden themselves against, mm -hmm. um, against these climate perils. Mm -hmm. The second thing it does is it provides a scoring that, that sort of tells the, the, the client how they fit um, mm -hmm. the, versus their, their peers, versus the wider industry, and, uh, and everyone loves to benchmark themselves. So you know, we find mm. um, clients really value seeing where they fit in the, the universe. Mm -hmm. And what that allows with the quantification tools that sit within those climate risk reports Mm. is to inform some of the reporting that some of these, these clients are doing. So a number of um, factors that drive um, the TCFD um, reporting can be, can be directly taken from this climate risk report where mm -hmm. to our client base. So uh, clients have been crying out for this. They, they know we've got engineering information, they know we've got knowledge, and they've been crying out for this. And now we've been able to provide them this that can mm. directly feed their TCFD reporting. Mm. And we've put together a tool that allows them to translate from the, uh, the uh, climate risk report directly across into their TCFD reporting a number mm. of metrics, a number of factors mm. that uh, helps inform all of that, uh, that reporting for them. So, uh, mm. so that's been really well received by our, by our client base. How do you gear this up for the future, um, James? Um, you know, are you creating any metrics in terms of, you know, X percent of our clients face Y risks and over the next 10 years we would like to see a reduction of X percent, Z percentage? I'm, you know, is there, have you, have you set targets within FM Global of what you would like to see for your clients as they start using these tools going forward? Well, we don't dictate for our clients where they need to go. That's really a decision. Mm clients to take mm. based on the information we give them. Um, mm. you know, we, we work with them to prioritise opportunities for where they can harden themselves. Mm. Um, and so we don't necessarily um, set hard targets. We give, we give some priorities and give some suggestions of which, which of the recommendations might be pro one might be more of a priority than the other. Mm. Um, we, we do let our clients, you know, really they're independent commercial organisations that need to form those own judgments. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's no surprises I talked about earlier that we use this to quantify the financial risk that we're taking on. And so, you know, there's a tie between what they're paying in premium and some of this risk and we're very clear with mm. them in terms of opportunities 
if they drive down their risk to improve their commercial terms. Mm. Um, so there is that that tie that, that exists mm. in terms of how we map things forward for our client base going forward. So mm. in terms of metrics, you know, we're, we're constantly looking at our book of business to figure out, you know, on the aggregate where we're, where we're impacted, what that means financially to us and, um, you know, clearly through our setting of terms and conditions in our commercial arrangements with our clients, we encourage them um, certainly towards the direction of being less risky. <laughs> it would be um, it would be an imprudent insurer indeed who encouraged clients to of risk course. your behaviour. <laughs> well, and look, the, the other thing that we we do that's a little unique is you talked about the fact we're a mutual insurance company, mm. um, and the unique thing with that is that where we are financially more successful, our, our client base shares in the, the success of that. Um, mm. So for for many years we've we've provided. Uh, where we're, in years where we are financially successful, we provide money back to our client base in the form of something called a membership credit. Mm. Now, this this year we've actually done something a, a little different, and we've uh, because of the financial strength of the company, we're returning a what we are calling a resilience credit to our client base, and that's mm. a five percent credit on um, on their their premiums. And that is aimed for them to take that money and invest back into um, programs, recommendations that we might be giving them, again, to harden themselves. And so it's mm. really, you know, we're putting our money where our mouth is um, to get, provide money back to our client base. What that adds to is about $300 million US of money that we're giving back to our, um, our client base to harden themselves. Which is a, a non-zero pool of money, I would imagine, for for some of your clients um, in terms of you know ancillary investment, ancillary support. Uh, so we, it's, we it's, ensure, it's a fantastic idea. Well, we insure very big clients, and as you'd mm. imagine, their premiums are very big. So a five percent mm. number um, it, it tends to be a fairly big sum of money that they can invest yeah. in. So, mm. you know, and that's been well received, and, and clients mm. are genuinely taking that money and directing it into hardening themselves um, mm. against some of these perils. Now, we've talked quite broadly about some of these climate risks and and sort of the broad base of the client membership um, at, at FM Global, but are there the concerns that are specific to APAC, James, that you're finding that, you know, sets the region apart? You know, obviously, you know, there's certain impacts that happen in APAC that don't happen in other, in other regions of the world, but are there, what are those concerns and how are you addressing them specifically from the APAC perspective? Well, I think there, there's, there is a degree of consistency. I mean, everywhere around the world mm. we're seeing a greater frequency of, of hurricanes, cyclones, typhoons, you know, call them what you will, depending on where you are in the world. Um, and certainly, you know, wind is, is a um, concern across Asia Pacific. But I think the, the number one thing that we're focused on across the, across the region is, is flooding. You know, we've seen the severe events here in Australia. We've seen Pakistan, as you talked about. Um, but year in, year out, flood is, is increasingly a focus for us. Um, mm. Now, what we're doing is we're trying to work with our engineers and our client base to bring more products into the Australian and Asian marketplace that can mm. help clients um, prepare better for, mm. um, for these sorts of flooding events. Um, I think we've all seen the vision of people heroically trying to fill sandbags and um, you know sandbag sandbag communities, which is a, a tremendous effort. But it's it's really hard work and really 
um, it, it's not as effective as it could be. Mm. There is technology that is a lot simpler. It's a lot uh, more effective, quicker to erect, um, that we're trying to bring in. And so our, our approvals group, we have a, a division called FM Approvals, um, who are working with a range of manufacturers to bring things, various barriers that can be erected very, very quickly to, to, uh, to our client base. There are these, these barriers that um, imagine a, a long plastic tube about a metre high that you actually fill with water, of all things. That can become a flood barrier um, and it can be done very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's incredibly effective in, in mm. keeping water out. So, so in this region, what we're trying to do is bring some of these really smart, really effective technologies and practical mm. solutions into Australia, into other parts, into parts of Asia to help um, people be prepared for things like flood. Mm. The, the other thing that we're doing, um, our chief engineer is working with the code body that's responsible for the bushfire standard in Australia and trying to further evolve the uh, the bushfire standards here in in Australia. Um, it's an area that we... I think we talked about this earlier, didn't we? There's some very interesting s- discrepancies in the rules around things like how embers travel and, and how all that's measured. Is that is that what you were talking... Is, is that sort of part of it? Or? Yeah, that's right, Rachel. Uh, look, we've, yeah. we've been... Ve- well, we just this year celebrated 50 years of of being in Australia, and um, I would say for 30 of those 50 years, we've been incredibly active on the code bodies. So the Australian mm. Australian Fire Sprinkler Standard is largely an FM Global. Um, there's a lot of FM Global knowledge within that um, sprinkler standard. And in the mm. last 10 years, we've been working with the Bushfire um, Standard mm. to evolve that to to really understand the impact of Ember ember attack, um, the distance mm. that you need to be um, away from the, the fire front, um, mm. and, and also some smart things to, to do in terms of openings in buildings and, and how to engineer buildings. So so we think there's more to do there. There's more to do in terms of um, smart engineering and smart science to, um, mm-hmm. to, keep, it, to keep the community um, hardened against, uh, against bushfire mm. attack. And then, so James, just to sum things up as we're uh, coming to the end of our time together, if you're looking out, say, 10 years into the future, um, what do you hope for, for clients of FM Global and for for you as a mutual insurer, if you're thinking about this this issue writ large of resilience and how climate change uh, plays into it, you know, what would you, what would satisfy you on a professional level if you're casting ahead to 2032? I'm always reluctant to look too far into the future. Um, <laughs> There's a good insurer right there, yeah, folks. <laughs> well, the reason I say that, Rachel, is that, that change is constant. And, you know, our client mm. base is is constantly evolving. Um, mm. And so I, I would expect that there will be a whole new range of, of challenges from a risk perspective that will be facing our client base in 10 years' time. Um, you know, it's our client base in 10 years' time is going to look very different. Uh, one of the things we're, we're spending a lot of time with them at the moment, you know, they're decarbonizing all of our clients, which means that there's a lot of electrification of their businesses. Now, that electrification in itself brings risk. It brings all sorts of different risks that we're trying to develop new science for, um, whether it be battery technology. You know, we've all seen the fires involving batteries. And so, you know, 
what that looks like in 10 years' time is going to be very different. We'll see a hydrogen economy, you know, and how we, how we need to engineer the risks associated with a hydrogen economy are going to be very different. Who knows, are we going to have small-scale nuclear by that stage? And, you know, there's going to be a whole range of risks associated with that. So, you know, it's constantly evolving, and therefore, as an engineer, I, I love the challenge that that brings in terms of helping our client base. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that we're able to stay ahead and, and keep informing our clients with new science and new ways of um, hardening themselves against the risks that um, evolution of their businesses bring to them. Fantastic. Well, James Thompson, Thompson of FM Global, thank you so much for joining us on The Greener Way. Have a great day. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for listening to The Greener Way podcast. If you like today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allen Backus. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.